Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Oh, think twice, it's Hi everyone and thanks for tuning in to an immediate shoot reaction from Gigpod, aka Glasgow's Green, to Dundee United now Celtic 3. I'm Stevie and I'm joined by Rizzo to discuss cruising at Tanadice, John Beaton being a half-wit, Gigi as our tap-in king and the semi-final draw. What's your immediate thoughts on the game? Hey, hi Stevie, hi everybody. Uh, no, it was a thoroughly professional one, like Celtic seem to be doing most times this season and it takes a good team to win at Tanadice and we've done that and I certain all team hasn't so good for us back to Hamden again. I was very happy to see the return of Matt O'Reilly, Rio Hitati alongside Callum McGregor that was the midfield that had the high tempo, the high energy and the real hunger and tenacity that beat Rangers. It was a welcome relief to see that again um, especially going to Tanadice in the middle of the park when I've always said that when you go there that's where they try and basically beat you through the middle because they're very, very poor out wide. They know they're limited there, so they always try and basically win the midfield battle and keep you playing through that way. But Celtic in the middle, um, it was evident the way we started that we were going to run out fairly comfortable winners. I think Ange got the team spot on, especially as well, John, when there was a lot of people saying Tony Ralston played well last week, and he did, and I was on the channel with Hamish on 67 Hail Hail. We were both saying that Ralston, as good as he was, I could see Yananovic coming back in because he was brilliant against Dundee United in December. He was really good against them as well when I think he came on, helped drive us on for that win at the end of January too. He always seems to be a real hassle for them, so it was no surprise to see JJ come back in, but the manager got the team spot on. He did, and I know there was a lot of concern before the game because there was no Jota, who had a slight injury, and no Abada, who was ill. And I think there was a lot of concern because they're two of our most important players. And I think Ange did say before the game that they would both be back for the weekend, which is good. So I, I was a wee bit concerned. But then, as you said, the midfield was right. And we dominated the game practically for start to finish. And it was only like a five-minute spell at the start of the second half. United even looked like threat, threatening us. But no, it, it, as you said, it was that midfield that had uh, played so well against Rangers and We'll go on to him again in a minute, but I thought McGregor was absolutely brilliant. I thought O'Reilly was very good as well. I thought Hitati was not bad. I think that booking he got probably affected his game. I can understand why Ange took him off at half time, but no, it was the right midfield selection. We'll talk about Hitati and his booking in a minute, but talking about the positive aspects of his game, John, his pressing was outstanding in the first 20 minutes or so. I mean, Dundee United were hassled and harried by our midfield, by our team in general. I tweeted during the game on my account that in midfield, when we were off the ball, you know, we were really, really impressive. But also, we defended as a unit. The midfield, 
and the defence were always going over to one side of the pitch where United were just to like narrow them and box them in and United couldn't go anywhere and whenever we got the ball from it we broke very quickly but I thought Hitati was instrumental in the way we played and the way we dominated you were talking about McGregor and he opened the scoring from a short corner as well John I thought McGregor of course it was a decent enough strike got a bit of luck with a goal but John when you think about it as well the amount of times that that Benjamin Segrist against us has a cracker if you're ever going to be beating him from long range, it probably is going to require a deflection, isn't it? It is, and I think that's probably the worst game that Sigrid has ever had against us. I mean, if you look back to the game uh, when we beat them one nothing, just before we beat Rangers, he was phenomenal that day. He uh, made a couple of great saves for uh, Gigi especially. But no, I thought it was a well-worked corner for once. That's actually two weeks in a row, or two games in a row, I that we've, we've actually done something well for corners. That goal that... Uh, Dyson scored at Livingston last week and then McGregor's goal and like it was obviously a plan to have him like free in the edge of the box and Dodge United were daft enough to leave him there. That was a good strike. Okay, he had a bit of luck, but we needed that to get the first goal. I mean, if we'd I always thought we'd score first, but I mean if we'd maybe struggled to break United down, they'd have been stuffy and hard to break down. But no, I thought it was a smart move and I know our set pieces this season have been uh, inconsistent to say the least but that's two weeks in a row that we've got it right so whatever Angie's been working on in the training ground is taking it is working it's two weeks in a row and I'm a bit shocked but no I thought it was a, a very smart move and I thought McGregor was fantastic the night and John it should have been 2 now about 10 minutes later Josip Juranovic incredible down the right hand side brilliant run Excellent crossing. Gigi helped it on to Maeda and he bundled it in for like a yard out. John Beaton, great guy, of course, would never criticise him. Rules it out for an alleged handball against Gigi. John, I have calmed down from it. At the time, I was livid. But what was your thoughts on it? I mean, I think we're both in agreement that, again, Scottish referees do themselves absolutely no favours when it comes to the criticism they get. No, especially when you look at all the decisions yesterday, and I'm not talking about Rangers because I didn't see their game, but the Hibs Motherwell game, there was like so many inconsistencies in that game. It was a odd decision. I mean, it was it's not like GG meant it. It was just the way the ball ricocheted. He couldn't stop it. I thought it was a poor decision. Thankfully, it didn't cost us in the end, but no, I mean, it's no wonder that referees get criticised because that was a, an odd decision. So obviously when we scored, I celebrated. And then when I saw that uh, Dyson, as I call him, wasn't celebrating, I thought, oh, well, it must have been offside. But then when they showed the replay, I just I couldn't believe that it was for handball. It was so harsh. It was a, a poor decision. I mean, I suppose people were worried about beating because he's no, like, the best referee. And, I mean, it didn't, that was, like, by far his worst mistake. I mean... Some people might say that Hitai deserved to get sent off. I think he got that right with the booking, but no, that was a that was a odd decision. I mean, there was nothing Gigi could do. I mean, it was just the way the ball went. It's not like he'd done it deliberately to give some more an advantage. It was a poor decision. Yeah, so while Maeda was unfortunate, his countryman Hitati was very fortunate, I felt, John, to stay in the park. A lot of people listening here might think I'm exaggerating or overreacting. And to be fair, I haven't seen, you know, various replays of it. I've seen a couple. I've not sort of overanalyzed it. I'll, I'll let like Crawford Allen and sports scene guys all do that for <laughs> me instead. But I've only seen a couple. 
I did think Hitati went in very needlessly. Now, all I will say is if that's against a Celtic player, if that's like one of their players on Hitati, I'm screaming and I'm up half the couch, basically going mental for the referee to record them. So am I overreacting to this one, John? Because I felt when I was looking on like sort of Twitter and forums, it was very 50-50. Like half of the people commenting on the incident were saying it was a shocker and he was very lucky not to get sent off. The other half were saying it wasn't malicious, it was just mistimed. Where do you stand on it, John? Personally speaking here, honestly, I do think he was fortunate though. I think you're being slightly uh, overboard on it. I, I thought it was a yellow card. If it was, I don't think it was over the ball. I think it was a, a rash challenge and, as you say, no need to do it. But no, I think a yellow would suffice there. I mean, it wasn't as bad as like any of the challenges in that Motherwell game yesterday, which were just ridiculous. I mean, it did give him, it did give the referee the opportunity to send him off, and that was silly. And I can, I think Ange probably thought I better take him off at half time just in case, like he does get a second booking. But no, I think it was the right decision, and I'm not just saying that with my Celtic hat on. If I owned a Celtic hat or my Celtic green tinted glasses on. I do think it was a booking, but then I could see, like, as you say, the fans of other teams were just screaming that Celtic got a big decisions, which we all both know isn't true, but that's just what's out there anyway. No, I think if it had been a bit higher, then I think it would have been a red card, but I think if, if it had been higher and over the ball, it would have been a red card, but I think it was borderline. I think it had been a bit higher, it definitely would have been a red, but I can see why uh, being gave a yellow, so for me, you got that one right. The big problem I've always got in this country, John, is simply the referees and their inconsistencies with it. So while you guys like Ryan Porteous would probably make that challenge and see red, and Rio Hitati wouldn't. They're never consistent, and that's the big problem um, for me with the refs. And I don't want to keep going on about them, because I know that there was more positives than negatives. They're a glaring, glaring problem in this country and in this league. They are, and I don't want to sound like paranoid stuff that's always get thrown about. But no, I think the worst thing isn't like who the referee support or anything like that. And that's just all the guff. I think I think it's just inconsistency in the mistakes. And I think probably every team, well, maybe not every team, has been affected by refereeing decisions this season. And no, I, I mean, I'll go back to it, but that game yesterday, that Motherwell Hibs game, I mean, sending a guy off after 60 seconds was okay. That was maybe it was a red card. But then five minutes later, guy goes in with a challenge. Just as bad, and he only gets booked. So, no, the inconsistencies are there, but that's enough about referees, I think. I mean, we'll probably end up talking about them again over the next uh, five or six weeks. But no, uh, we should just concentrate on the positives. Due to the booking, Hitati was taken off. Tom Rogic came on. A lot of people say Rogic and O'Reilly together in midfield, as we saw against Bodo, can't work together. Maybe against higher level teams, John, you can argue that point. But against Dundee United, the two of them looked really comfortable. Second half continued not quite as fluently as the first half, right enough. We still looked in control. Dundee United were sort of in a half a lot more, but we never looked really threatened. I think that's the problem with Dundee United too, John. For all that they're well set up, they're well structured, and you can see that they do play for Tam Courts. They've got nothing up front. Well, they didn't have Tony Watt tonight, and he's probably their main striker. And when I saw that he was at the team, I thought, I think the players at the back will have a relatively easy night. As you said, the passing at times, like with Joe Hart, the Starfield and the CCV, was a tad concerning. But I know they like doing it and they're going to keep doing it. I actually thought Starfield was fine tonight. I saw some stuff that they were in a sort of 
panic about his performance, but I thought he done fine. He, he had one missed kick, but apart from that, I thought he was fine. I thought CCB was good as usual. But no, the fact that the United didn't have Chalmers grew, grew either for the start, and I mean, he would have been a big threat for set pieces. We actually defended set pieces well the night for once, but they never had Tim and they never had Tony Watt. And when I saw their starting lineup, I mean, I thought that their losses would affect them a lot more than. I was there because I know we've got the players to deal with, like having the likes of Jota and a bad out, and that's what happened. When they played against Rangers twice, like they were really aggressive, you know, they were snapping and snarling into every tackle, winning a lot of 50-50s, and as I, as I said before, inviting them to play through the middle both times. What Celtic did tonight was we went toe-to-toe, and we were just as aggressive with them, but when I was talking about earlier on, pressing them as a unit worked big time tonight, because... See when we did that, when we like sort of boxed them in and we made them play out wide, and then when we won the ball out wide and broke, that's where we got the joy. And then the second half, when we scored through the two goals for Gigi, they came from like sort of wide positions. Maeda out in the left, and then Karamoka Dembele started when he was out in the right, and then cut inside. Both scrappy goals with Gigi, but John, that's what he's there for, isn't it? He scores the ugly goals. No, he does. He's the he's got nine goals now, and I think that's a good return, especially when you consider like the first half of the season for him was practically right off. He had that long injury layoff. He missed that penalty against Livingston, which I think a lot of people couldn't go over. But no, he's been a player reborn, and I thought he'd done excellent tonight. I mean. He held the ball very well. He was always available for passes. And I know people will talk about how this, his first goal was a, was a blunder, but that was actually brilliant striking play because he was the only guy that anticipated that Segrist might drop the ball, and he did. And he was right there. He put it in. And I thought he'd done well for his second goal as well. I mean, he showed strength to muscle in and get uh, the rebound after the shot had been saved. So, no, I think GG's getting better and better for us. I mean, with the fact that we're still managing to keep winning... And are mostly playing well without like Kyogo, our best player. I said it before, I mean, it's remarkable that the players have managed to hit the ground running. And Gigi, I know the cliche is, is like, it's like a new signing when a player like comes back into form after the January window, but it is, it has, it's true, he's been like a new signing. And I think he should be the first choice striker for the time being. I mean, I know that Ange sometimes likes to swap it about and start dising. And like he was on the wing tonight, and I'm not sure what will happen Saturday. He might change it again because Gigi didn't start at Livingston. But for Ross County and Saturday, I'd definitely start Gigi because I think he's in excellent form. And as you say, he does the dirty work. And we like to score like nice goals, I'd say. Even like the first goal tonight, that was a well worked move. It may have took a deflection, but it was a good move. But no, Gigi gets in there like where it hurts, does the difficult stuff. He's always there and thereabouts, like when we've got set pieces. I thought he won some excellent headers tonight, and no, he should be the main man. Until Kyogo comes back, whenever that is, Gigi should be starting. When we go to Ibrooks, Gigi should be starting. This Saturday, Gigi should be starting. He's, I thought he was excellent tonight. Again, it all boils down to the manager and his decision-making, though, John, but he has got it spot on. Like A lot of people were screaming for Gigi to start for that physical element of his game against Livingston. Maeda started though, and it was him that scored the opener, and he generally played very well. And then GG tonight, Maeda out wide, Maeda assists GG for the goal. That's half the battle, John, when you have a manager that basically gets the team right, then you're always going to be having a better chance of winning than not. Exactly. He's The fact that he's hardly been here as well, I mean, not even a full season, and he's managed to get this run of form when you consider that so much of the team were just 
rubbish last season for a number of reasons. And I don't want to talk about like previous managers, same as you. But no, it seems to be getting all the decisions right. As you say, a lot of people wanted Gigi to start at Livingston. He didn't do that and it worked well. Came back the night and it worked. I mean, that midfield, as we talked about earlier, even like having two of your most important players out, that doesn't stop Celtic. They just keep rolling on and it's very impressive. I mean, it's getting to the the crunch end of the season now and I think the next sort of five to six weeks are just going to be ridiculously intense and tension-filled and full of excitement, which I'm sure you can hear in my voice. But uh, no, I'm, it's going to be a very exciting end of the season. And I mean, the fans are obviously getting behind the team. The game against Ross County sadly sold out, sold out before I could get a ticket, unbelievably. But I'll try and get one still <laughs> somewhere. The St. Johnson game next month's even sold out. I mean, when is the last time that games against Ross County and St. Johnson have been sold out so far in advance? Not for a long time. That shows you that everybody's getting behind the team and the team are delivering on the pitch. And I think it's just going to be ridiculously crazed and intense the next five to six weeks. I mean, I think it's a good thing that there's an international break uh, next week because after that, it's just going to be non-stop big games. It's going to be... Uh, interesting and it's probably going to end up playing Rangers three times in a month as well which is just going to be mad basically it's going to be unbelievable now it's just a very quick shoot reaction to the semi-final draw I personally thought we were going to get hearts not Rangers but John doesn't matter in order to win the cup you have to beat the type of teams anyway so bring them on that's all I can say what's your thoughts on getting them in the semi-final instead of the final if we get there uh, I think in a strange way I'd rather it was the same because playing them in a final was just too stressful Playing them in a semi-final is stressful enough, but playing them in a final is just very stressful and it's no enjoyable. And especially that's the last game of the season. I mean, if you go, if you even if, if you get to, I mean, and you lose it, it's a sitting or anyway. But it's even more of a sitting if you lose it to your biggest rivals. So no, I mean, as you say, we have to beat the better teams to win the cup, and that's what we're going to have to do. So we're going to be playing Rangers in the second, the second April, on the third day April. I think that'll be the seventeenth for this the semi final. And then we might be playing them again the first game after the split. So the first or second game it'll be anyway, so it's just gonna be gonna be exciting. And <laughs> I don't know, we'll talk about it more in the pods to come, but no, it's the the month that probably the whole scene is gonna be decided in a month, really, which is pretty remarkable. But no, I'm sure the players will be up for it and the fans will be up for it and the boys at Gig Pod will be up for it as well. <laughs> it's gonna be nerve-wracking it's going to be exciting but we will be with you every step of the way we'll do previews and reviews before every one of the rangers games now i'm saying that now without knowing what any of the commitments of the gig pod guys are but john we kind of let the fans down now we'll have a hundred percent record for these ones won't we aye absolutely and i might even who knows we might even be able to get a, a gig pod in person done uh after the next derby but We'll talk about that off here. So there's a tease for the fans. Can't wait to get banned somewhere with you, John. We can also talk about happy Hamden memories against Rangers near the time as well. I'm sure we can all remember the last time we played them in a Scottish Cup semi-final, of course. It was back in 2018. Remember, they were cheering, they were gloating, loving the fact that they drew us, even though we beat them 3-2 and effectively won the league at Ibrox a few weeks beforehand. And then went on to scud them 4-0. I don't think it's going to be quite the same, but as long as we win, that's what matters. Yeah, we'll talk about our memories from 
semi-finals against Rangers at Hamden, um, maybe even at neutral venues we've played them. Neither the time and everything, but aye, that's it from episode 101. Celtic are through to the semi-finals, we're going to be playing Rangers, we're looking forward to it, and we'll be with you every step of the way for a preview and a review of every one of the games, as well as all the other crucial matches we've got in April. Remember, if you missed any of the 67 Hail Hail preview work, that was on Sunday before tonight's game. It was myself and Hamish outside Celtic Park, and we were just talking about this game tonight that we ended up cantering it. Um, we actually both thought it was going to be quite nerve-wracking in the end, but it turned out to be anything but. So it just goes to show that if you watch these videos, never listen to it and just point and laugh the entire time that you're viewing them. But other than that, they're always decent to watch, and, and there's a lot of good feedback on the channel, just like everyone gives for GigPod as well. Cheers for listening as always. Cheers for engaging on Twitter and on Instagram. Both of us appreciate it, as well as Spunkphone, who can't be here tonight, but hopefully he'll be on after Ross County or one of the games we've got coming up. I'll let John do his usual sign-off, and once more, thanks a lot for listening. Right, so thank you, Stevie, and thanks to everybody as ever for listening. You know where to find us by now on all the usual podcast platforms. You can follow uh, Gigpod on Twitter, at Gigpod, and follow us on Instagram, at Instagram, where Stevie does the 60 second reviews. And will you be doing any 67 Hail Hail videos this week, Stevie, before the Ross County game? Uh, myself and Hamish, we are talking about doing something for the international break. So if it's nothing this week, then it'll probably be something for the international break, just as filler. I don't know, there might even be a Q&A, or Hamish might just be winding me up. Anything can happen on that channel, John, in International Week. I don't know, the rule book is out the window. Just let John Beaton usually does with us. <laughs> so stay tuned to my old pals at 67 Hail Hail for that, for some Stevie's next on. And we'll be back after the Ross County game. Another big game for Celtic. A sold-out crowd. Hopefully I'll be there. Hopefully I can get a ticket, you never know. Right, thanks everybody for listening. We'll speak to you all soon, and hail, hail. Network.